0: the enemy hates this episode so much that he has been throwing everything he can at me to prevent me from posting it so do not miss this episode we are going to dive into the truth that satan clearly does not want you to know you're listening to the wise wife podcast so you want a better marriage well then buckle up buttercup you're in the right place All right, wise wives, we have talked about the importance of not falling prey to legalism. We've talked about how unforgiveness can block your access to spiritual authority. And I taught you how to step out of the devil's playground, the natural realm, and start seeing your circumstances in the spirit so that you can fight in the spirit, which is exactly where the enemy does not want you to fight because he knows that he loses that battle each and every time. So now, let's talk about the divine weapons we have to fight the good fight, to fight the right fight. No more distractions with morality, if I just do everything right, then God will show up for me. No more distractions of feeling justified in your unforgiveness. And lastly, no more distractions of allowing our circumstances to toss us around as if they are the end-all, be-all truth of our lives. We are now ready for battle. And we step onto the battlefield with a full dependence on God, ready to accept whatever battle it is that he puts in front of us. No longer just crying out in weak faith, begging for him to take away our circumstances, but instead kneeling in front of him, ready to be knighted for the battle ahead, ready to learn, ready to fight, ready to step into whatever he allows to come our way. God doesn't want us to walk onto that battlefield naked. He isn't asking for martyrs. He's asking for warriors. Sure, martyrdom may come as it has for many before us, if that's what he allows. But that's not where we start. We start as spiritual warriors and spiritual warriors have armor, not the armor of the world. Remember, Paul warned us that we do not wage war with the weapons of the world, but with the divine weapons of God. So no. Not the armor of the world, but the armor of God. You've probably heard it a hundred times or more, Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So here Paul is saying that we find strength in the Lord and in his mighty power. We're strong. He's also saying that you will need the full armor of God to resist the devil's schemes. There is no other way. For our flesh is corrupt and left to our own devices. We are weak and broken. We need the full armor of God. In verse 12, he goes on to say, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Okay, we covered this in episodes 10 through 13. And how this truth, the spiritual battle, plays out in our lives here on earth. So, verse 13: Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. So, it is the full armor of God that allows us to stand our ground, not be swayed or deceived, and to be found standing when our days are up. Now, this next part, Starting in verse 14, it's what we're going to spend the next few weeks discussing. We're going to break down these spiritual weapons and how they play out in real life, in your battle, in your circumstances. Verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God." So that's the armor. Those may not be the only spiritual weapons we fight with, but Paul clearly lays these out as our primary spiritual defensive and offensive weapons. And while we're going to focus on these first, he does go on in the following verses to lay out additional resources we have in this spiritual battle he's describing. In future episodes, we will look at verses 18 to 20, where Paul tells us to pray in the spirit, which I'm going to spend an entire episode explaining what that actually means, what it looks like in the life of a powerful spirit-filled believer, and how you ensure you're able to do this. He also tells us that the right words can make known the mystery of the gospel. That is another weapon, our testimony and our words. And finally, he says he is an ambassador for Christ while in chains, and that he will declare the gospel fearlessly thereby giving us yet another spiritual weapon when we declare the mystery of the gospel despite our chains, despite our suffering. It's going to be great. I'm really excited to unpack all of those and go through them. For now, though, let's break down this spiritual armor Paul has laid out for us. Verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. That's the one we're going to talk about today. In episode 13, we learned how to discern between the carnal truth and the spiritual truth. We need to step out of the carnal ring where our circumstances dictate our emotions and our hope and instead step into the spiritual ring where our faith and understanding of God's character dictate our emotions and our hope. Some of you need to play that back, but that was episode 13 for you. We need to see how badly beaten we have become by living in the carnal mindset when you're taking blows from the devil left, right, and center. And let me be clear, living in the carnal mindset does not just mean being sinful and disobedient. So if you were writing that off, like you totally get this and you understand it, really think about this. Don't think that just because you're seeking God and seeking to live by his ways, that you are automatically living with spiritual discernment. Being able to discern your circumstances with a, with a spiritual mindset, It's not proven by your actions. It's proven by how you interpret those circumstances. Okay. I talk at length about this in episode 13, but once you have the spiritual eyes to see how yanked around you become when lacking that spiritual discernment and fighting in the wrong ring, you will very quickly understand the importance of truth, not your truth, not the world's truth, not your mom's truth, not your best friend's truth, not your local church's divorce care support group's truth. Truth. God's truth. The majority of any spiritual battle is won or lost in truth. If you are deceived into thinking something is true and it is in fact a lie or half-truth, you can't even begin to fight the battle because you don't have even the basic armor on. The belt of truth holds all the other pieces of armor in place. Without it, the other pieces of armor are not as effective. So yes, someone can read the Bible, the sword of the spirit, But if they do not have the belt of truth to discern truth, then they may misinterpret scripture. They may fall prey to cults or other deceiving spirits, but ultimately they just won't be able to truly apply the truth of God's word as effectively. Jesus showed us this powerful principle in how he defended truth while Satan tried to weaponize scripture against him and tempt him to sin. We read about that in Matthew chapter four, where Satan repeatedly uses scripture or just the desires of the flesh to bait Jesus. And each time Jesus comes back with an It is also written rebuttal. Jesus didn't fall for the tricks because he ultimately had the whole truth. Satan tried to use quasi-truth against Jesus, and in similar fashion, he has likely used quasi-truths or half-truths against you. You've probably heard a lot of these half-truths. You deserve better. God wants you to be happy. You need to stand up for yourself. Well, what is the biblical truth, the whole truth? Let's just break down these as examples. There are many more than this, but these are a few that I hear the most, and I want to break them down as examples so that you can get a clearer picture of what it really means to have whole truth. So you deserve better. Well, the wages of sin is death. So if we want to talk about what we deserve, that's the truth. That's what we deserve. People are misinterpreting the scriptures, which tell us of all the blessings God promises us, and defining those blessings by their comfort level. It's spiritual immaturity and ultimately a prosperity gospel that your comfort is the most important thing. Some of you need to take your lumps and realize that the suffering you found yourself in is not by accident. You are not some innocent victim. Some of us think we're more like Job or we just don't deserve any of the things that are happening and it's not true. I mean, even the truly abusive husbands have to be enabled through codependency. So even if you're being mistreated, let's stop saying you deserve better and confront the real truth. Now, for a small minority of you, it's that you've enabled a codependent and abusive relationship and you need to take steps to find healing in that, which I'm going to talk about in a second here. But for the majority of us, it's because... We are eating the sour fruit that we ourselves planted. So no, you don't deserve better. How about God wants me to be happy? Okay, 2 Timothy 3.12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So again, there is a shred of truth to this lie. Jesus said in Matthew 11.30, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. His yoke is easy, but there is still a yoke. So that's not easy peasy, no problems, prosperity gospel. It means we can find peace in him. We can find joy in the midst of the suffering when we are yoked to him. That is not happiness. That is not finding my truth. But yes, we can find joy when we step into obedience and follow him not when we go our own way and adopt these half-truths, these feel-good truths, essentially lies. But just like Jesus says in John 16, we can find peace in him. He says clearly, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So no, God does not say that he is going to take away that trouble He says that he has overcome the world and that ultimately this world has no hold over you. So don't get caught up in your troubles. Another one I hear a lot is you need to stand up for yourself. Now, this one needs a caveat and it's something I've wanted to talk about for a while now. It's a very sensitive topic. I've prayed a lot about this and I pray that the Lord will give you spiritual discernment as I unpack what I'm about to share. If you're one of those women that is used to standing up for yourself, if you're prone to snap back, fight back, defend your position, you know, you feel like you're right and don't have a problem defending that, then the statement you need to stand up for yourself is definitely a lie for you. It's not truth. If you've been deceived by this half-truth, you're likely already reaping the bad fruit of pride and reality will simply set you straight, whether you like it or not. But where this one can be pretty deceiving, and even dangerous is when you're the type of woman who wants to keep the peace, is more than willing to lay down her own rights to make other people happy, and who genuinely just wants to comply and do what is right, but you're married to someone who exploits that. These women need to hear this truth, that you aren't to stand up for yourself, but you are To stand up for what is right. This statement needs some discernment because again, there are some women listening to this podcast who want me to tell them that they should stand up for themselves. They want to feel justified in their pride. But there are also women who are listening who actually do need to stand up. And I want to take a minute to break down how to discern which one you are, at least a starting point, because... Chances are, if you're one of those women that actually does need to stand up for righteousness in a way that looks a little unconventional, you probably don't even know it. At least that's been my experience in the wives I've mentored. So while it's true that many of you have husbands who have completely and utterly neglected you and hurt your feelings in severe ways, there are some of you listening who are in something totally different. And while it's a small percentage, I'm just really sick and tired of seeing the enemy use this deception to keep women down and certainly don't want my words to be used against them. So I need to say this. First of all, this isn't just that your husband's a jerk, he drinks a lot, he's cheated or is cheating on you, says hurtful things or or whatever else it might be. Many of us have successfully gone through such trauma and come out stronger And that is because no matter the circumstances, any grievances really only have the ability to to destroy you if you've put your personal worth and value into what your husband thinks of you and how he treats you. If you're looking to your husband for validation or approval, then his toxic behavior will take you down. But if your identity and self-worth is not rooted in what your husband says or does, then his destructive behavior, it almost rolls off of you, like water off a duck's back. It will still hurt because sin is hurtful, but the hurt is more about your awareness of his depravity and sin's depravity and how it's destroying him and your marriage than it is about your feelings. So it's much easier to weather the storm of hurtful and destructive behavior when we see that sin and destructive behavior, not as a reflection of our own worth, but instead a reflection of sin and spiritual bondage. When we respond not in defense and anger, but instead in firm yet loving kindness, when we're able to see that destructive behavior as a warrior wife call to action and not a death sentence to our mental health, then we know we're not looking to man to fulfill us or validate us. And when we no longer are looking to a husband or anyone to fulfill or validate us, then the destructive behavior, the sinful schemes of the enemy, they won't destroy your hope or your view of yourself and your own identity. But for some of you, this is really difficult without some drastic action. Because for some of you, your husband has exploited that desire you have for peace and inflicted intense emotional abuse that goes so deep you don't even know up from down it's abuse that has manipulated your view of yourself and your self-worth while systematically stripping you down to nothing okay totally and utterly dependent on your husband to do even the most trivial of things because you're constantly told by him or even just implied by him that you are too dumb to do it or too broken to get it right. For the woman I'm talking about, you're probably convinced that you are the problem. So when I'm here on my podcast telling women how to sacrificially love their husbands to be a better wife, the danger is that you will take my words and allow it to further the evil narrative that Satan is using against you through the abuse of your husband. If he's claiming to be a believer in Christ then you may have a double whammy of him also weaponizing scripture against you, using it to further manipulate and confuse you any time you do try to stand up for what is right. For these women, your human nature likely goes easily to I am the problem and just wanting to please everyone and be compliant. And in most cases, that is absolutely God's way and even righteous. But in the case where that compliance is actually what I call feeding the demons... These are demons of control, manipulation, abusive behavior. When when that compliance is actually feeding those demons, then no, I don't think that's what God wants. So for some women, the statement of you should stand up for yourself is kind of true. It's not that she needs to stand up for herself. It's that she needs to stand up for what's right. We are told that one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control, Right? But what self-control do you have if someone else is controlling your thoughts, actions, and beliefs? The woman I'm talking about, and there are too many for my liking, she doubts everything she's ever known to be true. She ends up with no control of herself at all. It's all controlled by him. I mean, how do you know if you're one of the ones I'm talking about? One way to gauge it is this way. If one day your husband told you that the ocean was not actually blue, but in fact the ocean is yellow, And even though you look and see the with your own eyes, the water is blue, you find yourself stopping and thinking about how you may be wrong and perhaps you're not seeing it right. And you hear yourself saying things like, well, I guess the ocean is yellow. I just, I just don't understand it enough. Or he must be right because I'm always wrong about these sorts of things then you are likely the woman I'm talking about. You may want to seriously consider getting professional help. And sadly, I'm not talking about a counselor at your church because most Christian counselors don't even know how to discern when a woman is being abused. And they're so afraid of separation that they don't actually know how to do it in a Christ-like way. So you need wise counsel from someone who knows what emotional abuse really is and who also believes in the covenant of marriage and wants to see your marriage restored. Better yet, you need deliverance from a spirit of Ahab, which has enabled and stemmed out of the Jezebel spirit of abuse and control that's been dominating you through your husband. And he needs deliverance for sure. But I'm not going there today. (laughs) I just wanted to make sure that I took this Few minutes to identify the woman who does, in fact, need to stand up for what is right and stop feeding those demons because the spirit of Jezebel, which is not just for women, will continue to feed off your enabling. And you will continue to be less and less of your own identity as you give that spirit legal access to your life. Am I saying go write up divorce papers? No, I'm not saying that. It doesn't mean we fight back in the world's ways, but it does mean that you open your spiritual eyes, that you're freed from. The oppression, and you take steps toward restoration in very different ways than maybe how others are doing it. You may have to lovingly distance yourself from that evil you've been living under while remaining true to your covenant in your heart and praying for your husband's deliverance and your own healing. And you are going to need help to navigate that kind of spiritual breakthrough. So I just want to make sure we're all clear here. If you're one of the women listening who is dealing with this, type of situation, a husband who has systematically torn you down in order to easily control and manipulate you and you have allowed it, I want to make sure you don't misinterpret my words here and allow the enemy to twist the truth against you yet again. You may not need to learn to be a quote-unquote better wife, but you do need to learn to better discern truth from fiction so that you can take the necessary steps to healing. Sometimes sitting back and just taking it is not the answer. More often than not, like I said earlier, more often than not for the rest of us, it is actually right to just love and grace, grace and love. I would repeat that myself to myself over and over again. Love and grace, grace and love in the face of betrayal, in the face of the sin and destructive behavior. Because I knew that God was moving towards healing and it, and it was in his hands. But sometimes, for some of you, there are some steps you need to take In order to remove yourself from the evil oppression and control and manipulation so that you can just start seeing up from down so that you can stop spinning in circles and actually get a clearer picture of what's really going on so that you can get the healing that you need first are we starting to see how important living with the belt of truth is because without discernment without real truth you can easily fall into one of two camps you know you can be the woman who thinks that she needs to react when really she just doesn't. Or the woman, like the one I just described, who does need to take action but thinks that it's wrong to do so. So in summary, I can say that the statement of you need to stand up for yourself, it's not applicable to anyone. We're never called to stand up for ourselves. What we are called to do, all of us, is to stand up for truth. To stand up for righteousness. For most of us, that means we simply turn the other cheek, allow God to work on our husband while we love and honor him despite his sin and destructive behavior. We look to God for our identity and our worth, and we look to him for the equipping so that we can continue to find that truth of our identity in Christ and not in our husband's approval or behavior. But for a few of you, you may need to stop enabling the abuse first. So as you can see, truth is really important. Without the belt of truth, we are vulnerable, our armor is haphazardly attached to us, and we're easily stripped of our spiritual armor. Without the belt of truth, we are prone to deception. And remember, when the enemy can't convince you to lose faith in who God is, he will try to convince you to lose faith in who you are. When he can't warp your perception of who God is, he will try to warp your perception of who you are. The belt of truth is the discernment we need to make sure we don't believe the things we shouldn't and do believe the things we should. The belt of truth is a powerful spiritual weapon because it comes against the enemy's attempts at misdirecting you, his attempts to get you believing things that are not true, which then turn into actions that are not right. Again, this is not just about living in sin and disobedience. Those are obvious detours from what is true and what is good. But the schemes of the enemy are more crafty than that. He will get you believing these half truths, which sound pretty good in theory, so that you will then willingly take the wrong actions. Actions that may not seem outrightly wrong or sinful, but actions that are not rooted in the truth of how God wants you to move. No matter what someone is telling you, whether it be your husband or me or a pastor or a friend or someone you trust, take it to scripture. Take it to the Holy Spirit. Line it up with the word of God and test it. Test it all. The Lord has graciously given all of us the belt of truth to equip us for this fight, and we are called to battle for the glory of his name. Thanks for tuning in to the Wise Wife Podcast. Go to wisewifeblueprint.com and download your free battle strategy. These are the five things you must do if you want to see breakthrough in your marriage. And remember, it takes two to save a marriage, you and Jesus.